Welcome back to Cast Me to Hell with me, Seb. And with me, Robbie. And we are here with episode 60, the big 6-0. Yep, the big 6-0. And we are looking at our top three summer horrors. Well, the end of summer is kind of upon us. So we <laughs> thought we would reflect over the season with uh, some of our kind of favourite films. Well, how did you interpret this? Because whenever we do these kind of things, we never say to each other what um we, what some, we, we, we sometimes talk about a little bit so we tried to hone it down a bit but i i think i think and you know if you've listened to these kind of things before you know we've covered them in different ways like in memoriam was one where we chose out different scenes and sometimes it is just top five top three you know we've done all kinds yeah. of different ones and i think the fun of it is the fact that we both might think of it in different ways now with this one uh when, when i came to you with this episode and we did say like, but what, like, what is it kind of thing? And I kind of thought like, you could interpret it like summer horrors any way you want. It could be films you like to watch in the summer, films that are set in the summer, films that are like blockbuster films, like summer, when you, in the summer you expect to go to the cinema and see some blockbusters, it yeah. might be big summer films like that. It could be some films that remind you of something you've done. Like in summer, it could be films that are set in like, the heat or set in the woods and things, places you think that you might go in the summer. There are loads of different ways that you could interpret this. And this is why I thought it's quite fun because it's not necessarily, it's not pinned down to one, just one specifically. Okay. You know what I mean? If we say like best deaths in Nightmare on Elm Street, there's not really much <laughs> else to go except the best deaths in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, there's not much wiggle, is there? Um, so yeah, so, uh, and it's always enjoyable doing these little, top three ones we get to think about our ideas and think about what kind of if we've got any reasons behind them or memories and they're always a nice sometimes have a nice trip down memory lane or things like that for yeah. us or or just ones that we've found recently that or people might learn some kind of ones that you didn't quite expect to see yeah definitely um so as always before we um you know before we jump into our top three um Remember that we are celebrating our two-year anniversary. Um, so over on our Instagram and our Twitter at CMTH Podcast, we're running a really cool competition. We've got a Hellfire Club T-shirt to give away, uh, a Jason Voorhees uh, keychain, and uh, if you listen to our Wreck episode, we have a 100 must-see horror movies uh, scratch poster we're giving away as well. So it's a little horror bundle. All you've got to do is. Follow us on the social media and follow the steps. Um, as always, thank you for listening to the show, both new and old subscribers. Um, and remember to hit the subscribe button. And if you could leave us a lovely review, it always helps us grow. Um, I can't remember who started this last time. So I'm going to be a gentleman and I'm going to hand it over to you sir, for our <laughs> first pick <laughs> as we kick off our top three summer horrors. Okay, our top three summer horrors. So, um, well, you know me with these. I've never decided until last minute. It's like me going into a restaurant. I look at men many things on the menu. It's not until the person comes to ask me that I will go, that's the one I'm going with. Now I have I have some that are set in place. Now, um, now obviously there were there were so many ones going through my mind, and I'm not gonna say, as always, I'm not gonna say now like what they are. Maybe at the end we'll do a little honorable mention of ones that popped into our heads. Uh, I did try to avoid ones that I talked about previously in the past. Yes, they because we do because we've done these a few times. I didn't want to retread old ground, but there is one that I'm not sure I might have talked about in the past. But for me, it had to be on this list. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna save that for my number, my last one, my final one later okay. on. Um, the first one I am going to do now. When I thought about this, although I looked at different ways about where it's set, and I think a lot of these have that same summer kind of setting. For me, my mind, if I'm thinking summer horror, I think I did go more towards possibly closer to blockbuster okay. kind of thing. Like I'm used to the summer, going to the cinema, kind of watching whatever's on, you know, mad about going to the cinema. I, I, I much prefer the cinema experience to seeing it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> much prefer the cinema experience to seeing it, like having to watch it on TV and things like that. So my summer blockbuster kind of ones now my first one i wouldn't necessarily say is full summer blockbuster but it's just it it was a big hit in the cinema and it's cabin in the woods that's a good that's a good shout <laughs> <laughs> don't know if that was on your list no nope. uh, <laughs> the cabin in the woods now um i remember going to see this and not really having much in terms of expectations yeah. for it um i believe i actually even went to see this with some friends in college and then um, we were going to like, uh, maybe not college, might have been just after that, but there were friends like we'd known from college and stuff. And I think we were going to a party afterwards kind of thing, but we were like, ah, oh, we were like in town most of the day. And we we're like, ah, oh, let's just, let's just go and see something there. So we went to see Cabin in the Woods. Um, I think I'd had the advice from some friend who was like, oh, it wasn't very good. It was really like a bit stupid, a bit silly, things like that. So I was like, okay. So my expectations were, were quite low even though I think reviews are quite positive, like strong yeah. for this film. Um, so um, Cabin in the Woods is a Josh Whedon directed film. I don't know. He's, he's cancelled. He is cancelled. <laughs> I didn't know it was Josh Whedon. Yeah, it's oh, okay. uh, Josh Whedon. It's his film. It's uh, Josh Whedon and uh, the, the screenplay is by uh, Drew Goddard, who's quite known for things like Daredevil and and some like kind of uh, horrors around the time kind of uh, thing, and um, yeah, this is uh, Josh Whedon directed. It's the film he did after Avengers. Oh, okay. Or before Avengers? No, it was just before Avengers. So wrong way around. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but he he I believe he directed it after he'd finished <laughs> directing Avengers, but he did yeah. this. So it was kind of just before he kind of went big. Yeah. Like not big. Josh Whedon was already Buffy the Vampire Slayer yeah. and a whole range of hits that he'd already had, Firefly and all those kind of big shows and things like that they'd had. But he kind of switched over to movies, yeah. kind of thing. And um, this was kind of his big one. Now I'm not going to tell the whole thing because these are just top three, so a lot of people kind of know. But what makes this a good summer horror? Now, obviously, it is called The Cabin in the Woods. So it's got this kind of summer vacation, kind of a group of friends, Evil Dead style, kind of they go to a cabin in the woods and it's kind of a forest, like you've got that kind of foresty setting, obviously, in the woods. And uh, <laughs> sounds like I'm explaining part by part. There, but just to make clear, is. <laughs> now, the dictionary defines word as... <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's got a range of, it's got, again, Chris Hemsworth before he went big. Yeah. Again from like Avengers and four, he'd already been in four that same uh, summer. So it's already kind of, that was his summer kind of thing to get him started. Um, it's got a range of actors. Each one kind of plays a different kind of trope yeah. that you'd expect. Chris Hemsworth is the jock. He's the asshole jock kind of character. He's, he's cocky. He's a bit of an asshole. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? You've got kind of the smart best friend. You've got the stoner guy. You've got the final girl. I love you, the stoner guy. You've got all of these parts. Now, 
it works really well as this evil dead kind of homage in a lot of ways. It, it's kind of meta. It knows what it's kind of getting. It doesn't get fully meta until we get to the end of the film. Yeah. Now, like the, the, before that, obviously, there's a range of cool deaths. I think Chris Hemsworth probably actually is the star one because he's such a jockey kind of asshole that they play it up to such a high level that he believes that he can jump a gorge on a motorcycle. <laughs> Now, like, um, now technically, I guess it is physically possible, but this is kind of when we get a big reveal, kind of getting towards it as as creepier things have happened sort of throughout the film. But it's weird. This film is almost kind of it kind of constantly throws you off, and it kind of feels like it's a builder. And if it wasn't for the big ending, this would have felt like a complete, like probably a bit of a letdown of a film. Yeah, like because it all it feels like, but it's because Josh Whedon and Drew Goddard and kind of know what they're doing. They're kind of playing with you, but constantly not giving you any answers. They're not giving you any major kills actually quite no. often. They're kind of constantly just throwing you off. So they're freaked out. They're kind of, they're trying to survive this. They've made it to there. And it's just the fact he, Chris Hemsworth character jumps Gord and they think, Oh shit, he's actually made it. And then this is the big reveal that there's something bigger going on here. Cause boom, he hits into this kind of wall, this kind of like yeah, barrier. Um, barrier kind of thing, you know, very sci-fi. And suddenly we've gone from just a horror kind of supernatural horror to actually are we in a sci-fi? Because that is like a kind of almost like a laser kind of barrier kind of thing that suddenly appears and he just explodes and you see him drop down to the ground. This is when we get more and more of an idea of what might be going on. And the main thing, and this is why I think it's kind of an ultimate kind of horror, because it, it is the ultimate kind of, we're going to take a bit of everything and just throw it at you. Yeah. Now, the last 20 minutes of this film are just fucking insane. Well, funnily <laughs> enough, um, I actually remember, I saw this after you. I was trying to think if I saw it with you, but I didn't, because I remember you telling me um, about... Not the you won't give I think it away. You might have been at the same party. We were but, talking. People yeah. were talking about it at the party afterwards. Going, oh, that was actually fucking like crazy. <laughs> yeah, but you, you were telling me about the ending um, and about how blood filled it is. <laughs> um, obviously, I don't want to give any spoilers away. I know it is an old film, but if you haven't seen it, <laughs> then and you go in blind like I did because I didn't really watch the trailer. Yeah. You know, and it does. It has that kind of like. Okay, this is just gonna be a, a standard rock, you know, uh, slasher rock. You know, we have some, yeah. we have some people, we have them encountering some creepy person at a gas station <laughs> on the way, and you know, they find stuff in the in the basement of the cabin, and you know, it it's kind of set up as a standard kind of slasher horror film, and then we have that big subversion, like you said, which I I absolutely loved. I've watched it, you know. Um, several times since the cinema, and it, and it never gets old for me. I haven't actually, I haven't actually watched it in quite a long time now. I didn't rewatch it for for this reason. I it made me want to rewatch it, but I haven't actually rewatched it. I was just remembering the whole when you get Richard Jenkins and Sigourney Weaver and um, Bradley Whitford um, out of Get Out and things like that. that you might know him from. You, you get that bit where you start. You've got this kind of siding bit where you keep seeing, you guess you start to learn a bit about the actual people that are watching them and kind of looking yeah. at what they're doing, and you get this whole. And it's really, it does kind of throw you off because you're like, you think you're in one film and suddenly you're in a completely different it's, film. It's so cool. And like, and then at one point you're thinking, oh, was this actually a horror or was this actually a sci-fi now? And then at the end, it's like, no, this is a horror. <laughs> this is a full-on horror where you get all of these. Basically, it's like a 
I don't know. It, it's it's an old film. I don't know. I think we can give spoilers. It's, it's, it's 11 years old, I think. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's give away one spoiler. <laughs> basically, the, they are keeping inside of this experiment thing. They are keeping basically, what I'll just say is like copies of every, probably every famous horror creature you can ever yeah. think of appears in some way at the end of this film. Yeah. How that kind of plays out, I will leave for you to go and watch. But seriously, if just this scene alone, if you're a horror fan, that, that this oh, will make awesome. it for you. You might find you might find a good portions of the film a little bit like like maybe boring, building up to it kind of thing. You might be like, we've seen this, we've done this, this is really it. But that's kind of the point. Yeah. I think is why it has such a big payoff at the end. Even with an even bigger bit, which goes beyond supernatural, the final scene is like, what yeah, the fuck scene. is happening? Nice. Like some people, I know for some people that final scene is one of those like it kind of ruins the rest of it for them. Like, like, it's that scene that kind of, like, takes them out of it. They were like, that bit was fine, but the last scene is kind of this kind of proper, like, I don't know, like, world-ending kind of I thing. I kind and, of and, get it. And because... there's a whole, yeah, because there's a whole mystery about why are they doing this to people, which gets revealed, and there's actually a very important reason yeah. why they're doing it. And I, and I really... I, I get the ending and some people's frustrations with it, maybe. Um, and I think for me, like if Netflix or a streaming service was able to pick up Cabin in the Woods and do it with, you know, each episode was about a different kind of horror thing. I think there's really cool scope there for it, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, there's amazing, like, all of the, most of the characters you see, you only get quick glimpses, actually, to be fair, because it's all so quick and crazy. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's really impressively done. I do think uh, a story of that, it's almost sad that, you know, it kind of brings it to a complete story yeah. at the end, um, because that is kind of a big part of, like, seeing all of this. It's like, you actually would have liked to, to see more, but... It is very cleverly done. It's very funny at times as well. Joss Whedon does have a very good way with kind of dialogue and things like that. He knows how to yeah, make things like punchy and funny. Um, so yeah, it, it's just it's got the it's got the blood and the gore. It's got some good bits of suspense, but it's also got the humor. I think all round it just works. It's for me as like a, if you want someone to just sit down with friends and like have a fun time, this would be a good one to yeah. watch. This is the kind of like having some beers in the summer, kind of, you know, you have a barbecue after that gets late at night, you have a thing like, let's watch a film. This would be like one of those films. It's like, yeah, watch it. You'll just have fun. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, man. Um, so my, uh, my first choice is Society. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's directed yeah. by Brian Yusner and uh, it was written by Woody Keith and Rick Fry. Nope, I no. don't know this film. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very interesting film because it was um, it was originally released in uh, 1989 in the UK or yeah. Europe, <laughs> and it was really well received in Europe. Um, but then when it got when it came out in America three years later, it was a kind of critically panned film. And the interesting thing is um, Brian Usner um, was well, I think he was the person who directed Reanimator. Um, so and he wanted to make you know he wanted to go on and make a film or he was producer of it or something like that because uh, I think Society is his first directed film and he um, he basically said like well if you want me to do um, you know uh, Bride of Reanimator then I need it to be a two picture deal and then the, the first film that he did with that was Society um, and it's it's this strange kind of uh, body horror 
kind of horror comedy uh, basically set in in Beverly Hills in the 80s um, and it's been in, somebody who was reviewing it described it as an anti Ferris Bueller because it's kind of about you know it's about young people and it's about the high society and living high lives and yeah. you know driving fast cars around America and going to the beach and stuff like that um but basically um it's about a teenager called will uh who is in beverly hills and he kind of has this mistrust of his his high society family um because he feels like something isn't right um and he kind of uh you know he it then kind of comes to this paranoia induced kind of look at society um you get these kind of weird because it's a it's a body horror film yeah but it's also it kind of until the very last 20 minutes it kind of follows a bit of a a kind of a a slasher um throat you know uh storyline because you know we have this guy will who um thinks something's not right and then people you know who come and say oh yeah you know you're right something's not going on they disappear or they get killed and it kind of has this you know um slash of feel until the last 20 minutes when it is it just explodes into an absolutely insane body horror film (laughs) there is night there's it's it's one it's one of those films where if you see it you will not forget the ending because in terms of practical effects, in terms of stuff like that, it's disgusting. It's hilarious. It's just fucking weird. I can't, I, I, you know, I know you haven't seen it. It's on Amazon Prime, so I would recommend it. I will, I will t- have a look at it. I was going to say, I can't say much because I haven't seen it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I looked to the side. I was, look, I was looking it up as you, like, as you were talking just to have a little look. But it, it sounds it sounds cool. fucking weird. And <laughs> and they and because it's it it looks at this, you know, um it's kind of a satire of 80s America. Um and you know, from my understanding, is 80s America was all kind of about looking at like going back to like 1950s values and stuff like that. Um and it's kind of a satire of that, mm. but it also has some really just, it's before the end when we get to just massive scenes of body horror we get really weird bits like there's um there's a scene where you know he goes to check on his sister who doesn't look anything like him and is you know is really weird and you know he uh he he sees like weird stuff on her back like not like eyes, but like bumps and hands and stuff. It's really weird. Um, fairly early in the film, um, you know, there's a guy. This is what one of the things that kickstarts it is. You know, he uh, he um, gets a tape recording that her ex boyfriend recorded, and it's and it sounds like her parents, his parents, and his sister at some kind of murder cult or something. Um, and then when you know when he goes to his psychiatrist about it and he plays the tape, it's like a completely different tape. And <laughs> it has all these weird elements of like people kind of going missing and stuff and changing. Changing. Yeah. But then towards the end, it's just absolutely insane. Um, so I did I put it as a summer horror film because it, it did come out in June. Both times it got released, um, it came out in June. Um, but it was it was also some of the first time I watched it, um, and it was kind. It was a film that I'd heard a lot about, 
Um, yeah. Because it's, you know, it's it's one of the lesser known film, you know, body horror films that has in, insane scenes. <laughs> and I checked it out one summer when it, it was, you know, ridiculously sweaty and gross. <laughs> and it kind of... It fit with the film. Yeah. By the end of it, I was feeling fucking horrid, disgusted, and, disgusted. <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, I need you know." I've, <laughs> and it's one of it's a film where you know I watch a, I've watched a lot of films, and sometimes they don't you know blend in. You know they all blend into one, or you'll watch a film and you'll completely forget about it. But this film, I I remember the ending i think i've seen it three times maybe really and every time yeah i, I basically watch it every summer now <laughs> i will i will i will check it out yeah. on amazon prime that's uk amazon prime. amazon prime uk I, although i am i'm i was just looking at the film here and i just seen someone called screaming mad george was who did the special yeah effects. screaming mad george who did the special oh, i've effects. never heard of her before again yeah. a female uh, female at that point doing uh, like being in charge of a lot of the special effects and stuff it, you get used to these same kind of male kind of figures. Yeah. So I was just very drawn in by Screaming Mad George, which is not her actual name. And I know uh, Joji Tani, Japanese yeah. heritage. Um, but still, I was just looking at like Screaming Mad George is such an insane name to give yeah. yourself. So I kind of got thrown off there by looking at it. But uh, it's, oh, I thought it was a woman. It's not a woman. <laughs> I'm sorry, the picture. Yeah, that's a very feminine looking picture. It It says his on the thing there, so I'm a bit confused. Uh, Maybe there's Uh, something. Maybe. Maybe the circle. I don't quite know here. This is why I shouldn't talk about things I haven't (laughs) looked at before, but um, a lot of Predator. Yeah, Predator, Dream Warriors. um, I've never heard of Screaming Mad George. (laughs) Yeah, I'd heard of Screaming Mad George before. Um, But it's honestly, society is such a. It's such a great film, and you know, it's got so it's got some really sharp social commentary in there. But then you also have this; it's kind of draws you in with this intrigue. But it's also shot well, it's written well, and it does kind of feel like that anti-Ferris Bueller because it is a lot of the characters in this are teenagers. There are scenes at school, and I don't know. I just have such a love for this film. You know? <laughs> um, but over to you for the next one. Cool. Um, right. So my uh, number two choice, this was the one that was like, oh, which one do I go for? Do I want to go for this kind of one? I'm still I, I was still sticking to my blockbustery kind of okay. ish theme like Cabin of Woods. I'm not saying blockbuster, but it had a fair enough budget to it yeah. to be a blockbuster. And it was released in the heart of summer kind of. Yeah. So 2011. Um, I think I am gonna go with Piranha 3D. Ah, that I was gonna choose that. Yeah, I love that film. So I'm sure we did see this one together. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we went with a bunch of friends when we saw this. Now, um, obviously, Piranha 3D is a reboot, remake kind of area of the Piranha franchise. It had, and it did have one sequel following this Piranha 3 Double D. Yeah, which was basically, you know, pretty much the same thing <laughs> repeated again. Yeah. <laughs> um, it had, um, th- this one had, it, it had better write-ups for this first one. Uh, people were a bit more into it because, one, it was at the heart of the 3D kind of innovation. Yeah. You know, it came, it came following, um, well, 
Avatar is the main one you, you point towards. It came following Avatar in 2009. So it was right at the heart of all of this kind of madness of 3D films where pretty much every film started getting a 3D release of yeah, some kind. in eye-popping 3D. In eye-popping 3D films that didn't even need it were sometimes getting yeah. 3D films. This one was basically sold on the idea of basically you're going to get to see blood coming out of you, body parts coming out of you, and boobs coming out of you. Titties, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we've got actresses like uh, Kelly Brook in this film. This is, the, you know, this is the um, wildest thing. I, I, I remember Kelly Brook growing up because, obviously, she she was a model. She was like um, a pin-up page she was three... A- UK page three girl was uh, a newspaper called The Sun used to have yeah on page three it used to have a, have a naked woman every day basically yeah not not fully but it, tits out, tits out. <laughs> but and the weirdest thing is it only stopped like six seven years ago it did yeah it, it like it just kind of went away so I think, yeah I think it there was a, a huge campaign I think it, it there was a huge campaign but I also I think it went away when the whole company had to restructure around the whole. They had uh, a n- news of the world was their Sunday newspaper, which yeah. went in the middle of that whole scandal of they were hacking people's phones. And I believe around the same time, they basically rejigged all of their papers to kind of think yeah. and got rid of anything else offensive because they were in enough problem. I mean, the newspaper is pretty offensive most of the time anyway. Yeah. If you, you American knows him as well. Piers Morgan used to be the one in charge at that point in time. Yeah. And you can understand why it's a bit like a bit people don't. Some of you might love Piers Morgan, but uh, he's a bit of a slimy creep. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but going back to Kelly Brook is um, so obviously I knew her growing up as this kind of like pinup model. Yeah. But I, every but since driving, the, the pretty much the only radio station I listen to in my car is Heart. Heart. Yeah. And she's you know she's a um, you know she's a, like a radio host on Heart now. Yeah. Which is weird. But then I watched this film maybe like a few months ago, and I was like, <laughs> "What the fuck is Kelly Brook doing in this film?" <laughs> so yeah, it's quite a quite a weird thing. And she has quite a big role as well. She has a big role, but she is kind of she is a little bit just there to be the big boobs. Yeah, she's there just <laughs> to be the big boobs. But she has more of a role than I realized. I mean, the, the female power here comes from Elizabeth Shue, who yeah. a lot of people will know from loads of things. The boys. Uh, from uh, she was in the first season, of Boys. yeah. Uh, from <laughs> Rob looked there a bit like, is <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, oh, yes, <laughs> Karate Kid, the first one, she was the female, uh, in oh. Karate Kid, the first episode, she was one. the female in the Karate she Kid, was the, the only female, one, the only female. <laughs> Maybe, probably. I actually can't think of any apart from his mum. I can't think of any other female in Karate Kid. She was in the first one. I believe she was gone by the second one. But uh, yeah, did she come back for Cobra Kai? Uh, no, she hasn't come back for Cobra Kai. I don't think so. I haven't watched Cobra Kai. I'm sure. That's very interesting. I'm sure. <laughs> I keep looking at it because they brought basically every single person yeah. back of it. But I've, but then again, they wouldn't necessarily have to because they have they did recast her from in the second film and the oh, third okay. film. So maybe they I think she was only in the first film, Elizabeth Shue. I think she had a similar thing in Back to the Future as well. I think Elizabeth Shue's in Back to the Future, but. I don't know if in that case, I think she was the one that placed, replaced the actress in the first one in that case. Oh, I'm so yeah, no, she's she's known as the replacer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, now Richard Dreyfuss is probably in my mind. Now we have this very callback to Jaws in the kind of opening, which again, Jaws is one I didn't mention and oh, I assume mate. you haven't mentioned. No, I, I didn't Jaws to me, I mean, Jaws to me, I mean, St- Steven Spielberg is like the master of this. 
Jaws would probably be my ultimate, like, would probably be the ultimate. There's only one other film that I think would be the ultimate kind of summer horror. And Jaws is probably the most classic and probably yeah. the best of yeah, them. Probably. Um, because it just it just embodies summer in every way. It's summer holidays, all those kind of parts. Yeah. So we have a nice throwback of Richard Dreyfus at the start of this film, which lets you know straight away what you're in for, kind of thing. We have we have him fishing on a boat yeah. uh, and um, and we start to get this weird kind of tidal wave which turns into like a whirlpool. Yeah. And his boat's getting like flung around and in eye popping 3D. I I, I, we watched it in Eye Pop in 3D. Pop my eyes. <laughs> um, Richard Dreyfuss's face coming right in your face. You know? Yeah. His crotch. Um, <laughs> just right in your eyes. When he hangs huh? down. When he hangs down. <laughs> um, but yeah, we basically have this kind of Jaws joke with Richard Dreyfuss kind of thing and uh i swear he says like oh, we're gonna need a bigger boat or so he makes like, jokes yeah. like that kind of thing joking, you know it's it, it this film is completely on the nose it, it's not trying to hide away from it it's no. completely you know i even forgot it's it's the second one free double d which is um ving rames ving ray no he's in this, no, one, he's well. in this one no it's uh because ving rames but he comes back with like a leg, leg or so he, looking like a with gun, gun leg or so yeah yeah um no it's um who's in this who's in the second one david david hasselhoff david, there we yes. go I, blanked, I, was, I could see his face i was literally <laughs> in my mind face. i could just see david hasselhoff's face staring at me yeah <laughs> <laughs> he came to me he just was he was calling to me remember it said remember it. <laughs> <laughs> telling me to <laughs> yeah um no david hasselhoff Hoff, uh, but he's in the sequel. Yeah, I think he's yeah, right in this one. He's, he's in the sequel, sequel yeah, because he's kind of a big like cameo, but also kind of is a role in its own kind of thing. Uh, but anyway, Rich Dreyfus basically gets pulled into the water and basically gets completely like eaten apart by these new yeah. like the guts kind of jump out. I think out of the water yeah. kind of thing. Um, but the whole film, it, it is it's B movie at its best. Yeah, and it's not trying. It's not hiding. It's not trying to be anything. But that's I think I mean. Elizabeth Shue maybe is trying to. She's probably slightly better actor than yeah. a lot of the others. So she is definitely raising it as the uh, the officer in charge of kind of helping with all this. Yeah, but it's got the same kind of. You've got assholes in charge, kind of like Jaws, where you've got the whole like. Uh, Ah uh, no, we're not kind of going to shut this down, kind of thing. But it doesn't matter anyway because once it hits, it hits fast. Yeah, like does. we have the build up to the whole. Um, it's not. I think it's spring break. Is I it? think it is it's spring, spring break. break. But it's not as yes. Yeah, so it's not sad. But it's definitely that kind of holiday. You know, sun is shining. Everyone's out in the on the beaches and stuff like that. But the one scene now, I remember even before this film came out, hearing about it because I remember seeing the the set photo shots in like newspapers and stuff yeah. like that, where they were like. As if like what the hell's going on? Mainly, I think actually Kelly Brook was the reason for that because it was like the sun or something like that was picking up on it because she's in this film, kind of I don't know, probably taking candid shots of her like in bikinis and stuff. <laughs> probably. But then there's all these other scenes where basically they'd actually like laid out a beach and they'd actually done in practical effects a lot of these scenes. Now, although obviously the piranhas are all free, they are all three D CGI. Yeah, a lot. Of them. You know, what I mean. Um, 
a lot of the prosthetic and stuff, a lot of it was actually practical because you yeah, could literally, that's I remember I mean. seeing these newspapers, it looked like a freaking horrific bloodbath. It was literally a, an actual beachside where there you could just see like people dragging legless people along yeah. and the whole water on an actual beach had turned, they turned it red. And, and it's, that's an awesome scene in it as well. It yeah. is. I mean, it's probably the best scene in the film is that first when the piranhas start coming out from yeah. the... The sewage and the, I think they, they they get out from somewhere, don't they? That's how they've spawned and got bigger, isn't it? Like I, a, I think they just start making their way up the beach. Yeah, you know? I think sure so. But I think it's but no, I mean the piranhas in the film is is it due to a scientific experiment thing or is it a prehistoric thing? The, this one? If I remember right, I mean I watched it a few months ago. Is they are prehistoric? Yeah, and they were in this like cavern and they basically stayed alive by cannibalism and just yeah. grew bigger and bigger bigger and bigger. bread and then when and then there was an earthquake or something which unleashed them because this is uh, my other my other choice was a very similar film okay and that's the meg that was my yeah other no, that's a good one that was that was one that i was considering as well because i remember seeing that in that kind of format kind of thing and that had a prehistoric you know yeah. underneath the water um I mean, this film kind of speaks to itself. It's not like, it's a film, I think, that's, I can't really talk about too much of it because the plot is not a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) It's basically like, let's get like Kelly Brook and several other kind of, I don't know, like models or porn stars or whatever they were on a boat with Gerald O'Connell, who's great (laughs) as this sleazy dirtbag porn producer kind of on the boat. But he does play the role. No, that's what I mean. He is very good. Um, yeah, and um, no, it's it's cooler that like it has these kind of cool shots, but it just is. It is. I mean, the 3D and like the death, the gore, the sunny beaches, the the beautiful people that they just throw into the film to be mutilated. Yeah, you know, the, the gore is to a good standard as well. You, I think there's a scene when you get to see the prior actually go through someone. Uh, yeah, you do. <laughs> well, I think that I don't know if it's their mouth or if you're seeing it from a different end or like that. <laughs> But I think you get to see the pro come out through someone. You get to see the thing. Ving Rhames always good, as you mentioned before. Yeah. He hasn't got his gun legs in this one, but the sequel does. I'm 99% sure we see Jerry O'Connell's cock get. Oh, we do, yeah. yeah. We see Jerry O'Connell's dick get eaten. He hangs brain, but the, does. the brain is removed. You get, yeah, you get to see 3D penis. So there you go. <laughs> Somebody sold on that. What more could you want? What more could you want? Jerry O'Connell's 3D penis in your but, face. <laughs> but that's the cool thing about it, is it doesn't hide away from being in a B movie um it's you know it, it's just about setting up cool kills and cool shots and stuff I know? think this is why I, I, I'm not saying it's well reviewed but I, I don't think they were too harsh with it because I think they knew exactly it, it was clear exactly what they were trying to make it's mad to think that uh you know because we're talking about Avatar but it's mad to think that James Cameron made one of these films <laughs> James Cameron made Pro like for Yeah, he made the original. Yeah, and I was actually going, I was considering putting the original on my list. Yeah. Because I um if you I mean longtime listeners may remember, new listeners, um, I I grew up watching a lot of films with uh, my dad. Um, and we, we used to watch them on ITV. And then sometimes I would, you know, sneak and watch them myself. Um, and obviously the, the original Piranha was kind of made on the on the back of the, the whole Jaws hype. Yeah, yeah. And it was, I think it was James Cameron's directorial debut, maybe. But 
the cool thing is when I, I I first watched it when I was maybe six or seven, and there's some scenes that really stick in my head and terrify me. So, for instance, the opening of the scene. I was going to say, I, I, I thought I was against. It's not the original. It's the, he he created the sequel. He did the spawning. sequel. Yeah, it was his first ever film. The spawning was a uh, sequel. Oh, Joe Dante <laughs> did the first one. That's yeah. it. Um, yeah, I was going to think. I was like, I was like, for some reason, I didn't think that he'd done that one. But yeah, well, I think the spawning is where they fly. Um, yeah, so, flying okay. killers. That's, yeah. um, <laughs> that's also but, known as Piranha Two, <laughs> flying killers. But with the first one, the 1978 one, um, the the three scenes that terrified me. The first one was the opening, where this young couple sneak into this like what they think is a disused pool, but is actually like a military base. The piranhas are in there, so they kill them and they get into the pool. The second was um, an old man who's fishing by a river and he has his feet in the water, as you do, and he's, you know, fishing. Yeah, yeah. The feet, the fit, the piranhas eat his feet. I, I can never now dip my feet in water <laughs> because of that. I was in London on the weekend, on a, went on a boat ride up to Camden, down like a narrow boat, <laughs> saw somebody with their feet dipped in and thought, oh, fuck, <laughs> piranhas <laughs> got to get him. And the third scene that stuck out for me when I was a, was a kid was when one of the main characters is on a raft, like a wooden raft that they've made, and oh, piranhas yeah, yeah. are underneath them biting. Yeah, and yeah. I and for some reason, being you being young as you do, I thought if I ever find myself in that situation, I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> it's it was all it's all very yeah, like you said, it was all very much a, a Jaws kind of knockoff. Like even a lot of those scenes are very similar to scenes yeah. that happen, and even the poster that I look at now, the original. I don't think I've ever seen the original. I haven't seen. I it think since I, was young. I think I have seen one of the older. I think I might have seen. James Cameron's The Spawning yeah. or Flying Killers <laughs> but I don't see the original but even look at the poster now it's got a woman on that kind of Lido kind of thing this piranhas coming up from underneath you know I mean that it's very it's very very Jaws and it's one of Joe Dante's earliest films so James Cameron and Joe Dante <laughs> came up from Piranhas so it's not a bad thing they gave yeah. us two fantastic directors started their careers you know so that's not a bad thing at all for me it was the humble piranha yeah, in fact, yeah, Piranha 3D has a 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty good for this yeah. kind of film. Most of these kind of would not get such a high, but I think this, and it's a little bit different with the sequel because this one, it knows exactly what it's doing and it just tries to purely have fun with it. It's blood and gore and it's boobies and it's dicks being bit off and eating in your face. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just, it knows how to have fun with it. I think the, the, the sequel and the reason the sequel didn't do as well, one, because the sequel came out closer to when people are now been like, fuck 3D now. <laughs> I'm yeah. tired of this now. Um, but also because the sequel was just not, it just didn't have the same, it was trying too hard. It, it almost went too far with it. It tried too hard to be David Hasselhoff and the, the gun legs and all those yeah. kind of things that I remember of it. But it, it just it just felt, I remember the sequel feeling like, although it's fun, it just still felt like it was just trying too hard to be kind of crazy and zany and like the original. But it also just felt like almost exactly the same film. Yeah. Just with different people to get eaten. I remember it being at a water park, but I mean, I have to yeah, I watch it. Yeah, it was at a water park, yeah, yeah. I need to watch it again. It was a lot of David Hasselhoff scenes as well, I remember. He was a bigger than just a little cameo. He yeah. was kind of quite a big part of the plot. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, your second one along. So I'm going to I'm gonna switch the pace now from, you know, the uh, from the horror comedy um, that, you know, we, we've, been, we've just been speaking of. And I'm going to go for uh, Summer of 84, 
which mm-hmm. is uh, from 2018. So it's, it's a relatively newer film. Okay. Um, and this was Shudder's second biggest film of 2018. Um, it's, a, it's very interesting because it's directed by three people. So it's directed by uh, Francois Simard, Anouk Wissel, and Johan Adam Wissel. Um, so it's written by three people. And they, um, they, they direct all the films together, I believe. And then it was written by uh, Matt Leslie and Stephen J. Smith. Um, and kind of the, the basic plot is over the course of kind of a decade leading up to the summer of 1984, um, 13 teenage boys have disappeared in Cape May, Oregon. Um, the poster for this film is really cool. Um, it kind of, you know, there's two posters. There's one where it's kind of like a, yeah. it's a big skull over I've the neighborhood. I've seen this poster. And then there's a, the, the quite famous one is of the, of the missing kid carton. Um, that, they used, that apparently they used to have in America. Um, really cool poster. Um, shout out to the art department for that. Very Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, and it kind of does hit that, you know, kind of a Stranger Things vibe. Um, so the disappearances have never been connected. Um, but now a group of kind of teenagers suspect that the um, police officer neighbour is the serial killer. Um, and it's a very, it's just a very paranoia-inducing film. You know, it starts off relatively kind of um, having this element of fun to it and this element of mystery you know it, it does it kind of hits as Stranger Things is kind of starting to hit its peak maybe second series of Stranger Things so 80s nostalgia was, start of, was kind of a bit new um, but then it's also got it, meet, it kind of meets rear window Disturbia you know yeah. where there's something going on in the neighbourhood and these kids have got to try and spy and find out what's going on it's, it's tense throughout the whole film um I, I don't think you i don't know if you've seen it have you i i haven't i haven't seen that no, i have i've seen this poster for yeah. i haven't watched much shutter content i don't have shutter so no, I, haven't, I haven't watched much shutter content uh to be fair i mean this one would definitely draw me in i, I mean i love it anytime it's kids and to be fair I said Stranger Things. That's only because I feel like that's what they're taking off of. But it's a bit of a disservice yeah. to call Stranger Things because <laughs> we were talking about all of the things that came before. It's like books like It, obviously, and it, not the new yeah. It, but not even the new It kind of films, but the, the book themselves and the original yeah. series, or even just things like Goonies and things yeah, like Goonies, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or Stand By Me. Like, those things really set the way. Like, Stranger Things was just a taking of all of Stranger those. Stranger Things just kind of was the defibrillator which brought it back. It kind of know? brought back that and nostalgia, and we yeah. had a lot of it probably to the point where some people are getting a bit like, ah, oh, <laughs> more nostalgic. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no. But, um, yeah, the film's, the film is just great. Just, you know, the, the actors in it are, are, are so really... say um, Judah Lewis out of Babysitter. Yeah, Judah Lewis, who went on to do Babysitter. I think, he, I think he did this before, maybe. I can't quite remember. Um, and I don't know. It's, it's one of these films where it's, it, it's tense, and it kind of has all, I can't remember if there's any other kind of big, bigger names in it apart from Judah Lewis, but it kind of hits all of the notes that you'd expect, you know, yeah. and there isn't much, you know, graphic violence or there isn't much gore or anything like that. However, when <laughs> the ending of this film, you know, a lot of, when you watch a lot of these films, they kind of all end extremely well. Um, but what I will say is I don't want to spoil this because I don't want to spoil it for you. I don't want to spoil it for people who have listened. But the ending is it, it really stuck with me. It's kind of it crosses lines that films don't usually cross. And a film like this, you wouldn't expect it to cross. And then it has a really 
horrid ending. You know, it's it's kind of one of these ones where you sit there and you and you think to yourself, "Fuck me!" Like, yeah. You say you don't have to confirm anything to me, obviously, but when you say that, when you say it crosses a line and things like that, I imagine because it's a film about kids that I assume that the kids, some of the kids die <laughs> or a child die. You don't have to confirm. confirm so that's not that. a spoiler because I just said, when I hear those kind of words, I'm thinking it's a film about kids crossing a line. You know, yeah. that's one of those ones that, although more recently we've had more of it with, you know, films like it and stuff like that, like obviously brutally killing yeah. some children, but um, we don't often cross that line. The other one is obviously pets and animals. Yeah, pets and animals. <laughs> um, but I think another thing is, you know, that's, that's great in this film is it, it it looks, you know, fairly area appropriate. A lot of the shots are great, you know. You do have this feeling at the start of the film, even though you know it's a horror film and you know it's going to be creepy. It does kind of bring you back to, like, you know, when we were kids and we were like, we got the summer ahead of us, we can do whatever yeah, we yeah. want. And then they kind of go through the steps that, you know, kids in adventure films would go through, you know, like find you know seeing something and being like oh that's a bit weird and then sneaking into the house and all that kind of stuff but then when it gets to the end it just it it's so horrid and it's so bleak yeah that you're 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 kind of speechless about the end really and i want to do this as an episode once you've watched it because i mean it doesn't have an overly long running time it's only like an hour and 45 minutes so it never feels like it outstays its welcome yeah um and it's i don't know kind of it it hits on that you know in the 80s when they're i don't know if this is just me but during the 80s it seemed like there were loads of serious you know yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe there are. <laughs> no, there, there was a lot. Of, it was a, it was a high period for series. Yeah, seventies and eighties was a like well sixties through to the eighties. Yeah, was probably especially in America was a huge peak for you know before yeah. a lot of this kind of stuff that is more protective. People, I guess people, <laughs> it's weird to say if you're you psychopaths. <laughs> yeah, that uh, people don't uh, no longer. They kind of know now it's far easier to get traced for something you do. There's cameras everywhere. There's one no, you know, to get away with certain things. Not that it doesn't still happen, but we don't tend to get those kind of same kind of serial killers no. in the same way. Because I think over time people have kind of known. <laughs> I'm sure there are some people sadly out there that have that kind of inclination in their head yeah. and then probably think there's no way I'll get away with that. <laughs> you know, definitely. Not. Um, but I would say if you if you're a fan of films like uh, the black film that we have recently, then I would highly recommend Summer of 84. As far as these kind of throwback films, you know, back in the 80s and, you know, disappearing kids and that kind of stuff, I would say that this is kind of cream of the crop, one of the top, you know? I didn't mean for that to run. <laughs> well, well, for, and so would you say it's one of the shutters better? I would say it's one of the shutters better. Yeah. It's probably... Because they, the they have ones. a lot of content. I haven't seen much uh, of Shudder's kind of films and stuff, you know, the, yeah. their original stuff. Because is, is this original content or is this... I've, I'm not sure. If, I mean, it, it debuted on Shudder, but I don't know if it was made for Shudder, if that makes oh, okay. sense. Because now yeah. they, I think they produce a lot of stuff as well. They have a, yeah, because they have a range of stuff that comes out. Yeah, there, they have a know. lot of stuff on there. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I haven't, I haven't checked it out. I know it's a very big very big horror network now isn't it it's yeah bigger and bigger, it's getting bigger and, bigger. and it, it's getting the good thing is you get some stuff that don't have like cinematic releases over here like i think psycho gorman didn't come out over here 
No. I think it, it went straight to Shudder. You know, yeah, I don't yeah. know if it debuted in Shudder on on Shudder or a few smaller horrors that won't necessarily just make it across the pond. Yeah, you kind of get them on there. Um, but it is one that I would highly recommend. I will check it out, and then we will have to do an episode on Summer of '84. Before we do your final one, should we go to the social media lounge? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you got some on the Twitter? I've got a few on the Twitter. On so the Twitter. <laughs> at CMDH Podcast, um, where you can, you know, obviously enter our competition. Um, so Simon from our boy from uh, So I Married a Horror Fan gave us a good list. Uh, Jaws, the granddaddy of them all, probably. Uh, Friday the 13th, Predator 2, Final Destination 3, Sleepaway Camp. I know what you did last summer. Uh, the Mummy. Freddy vs. Jason, Cabin Fever, um, Adam Holloway, uh, The Burning, and then said it's relevant because I've been cooked alive in this heat. <laughs> and yeah, me too, my man. Um, ben, one of, you know, Adam was also, is also a writer for uh, Shiver, but Ben, another writer, um, suggested A Field in England. I don't know if you've seen that film. A Field in England. Um, yeah, that's um, ben, Wheatley. ben Wheatley. Yeah, yeah I haven't yeah. seen it, but he said it's good. And then I can't, I don't, can't quite pronounce this one. Uh, Crustacea, maybe. Um, could you try? Crustacea, yeah. I think yeah. So. Suggested Midsummer, which we have done an episode on. Um, we have done Midsummer. <laughs> I think that was our di- first divisive films. Uh, was Midsummer. It was, yeah. It was. Well, yeah, we've done Midsummer and The Lighthouse. And The Lighthouse. divisive films. Yeah. But I saw, uh, uh, to throw out, I saw a list today, I think, uh, I don't know, I think it's IGN or somewhere, they did a list of A24's best kind yeah. of horror films, uh, the, the best that they've made so far, And I because I think they were adding, um, I don't, not necessarily a horror film, but everything, everywhere, all at once, which I yeah. haven't seen, but I do want to watch. Um, with Michelle Yeoh uh, yeah, um, and Jamie Lee Curse. Um, but they had a, had a list and there was such a big debate going on. The, like, I saw like, I see such a big debate going on because people were so disagreeing with the choice of it. I think they had things like Lighthouse was 12th. Yeah. It was at the bottom of the list. Okay. And they had things like the Hereditary was like sixth, Midsummer was like second or yeah. third. And a lot of people would like go, Midsummer should not be that high. And yeah. People, some people said the Lighthouse should be higher. And people were saying Hereditary is a far better horror film than Midsummer's a horror film. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, a divisive I, film. I just, that's what I mean. A24 is divisive film. Great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, I think their top one was Moonlight, which is a one in Oscar. So you can't really say, but yeah. they were kind of like, yeah, that one was kind of hard to touch. It's not a horror film. But it, it was just interesting seeing earlier. Yeah. yeah, it was just I just liked seeing the high kind of everyone disagreeing on different because all of their film content tends to be quite divisive. It really general. does for some reason. Doesn't they it? just hire directors or like they just let people do what they want to do, and therefore people are like, nah, you know. What I mean? Yeah, it's a really weird thing. Oh, it is interesting. Um, what did I have? I had um, uh, I had uh, Hootin. Uh, my friend, <laughs> the, the man. Uh, there, the um, yeah. uh, from his uh, discount podcast that's coming back soon. Uh, he posted, uh, Summer means some baked chaos, so Wolf Creek, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Paradise Lost. All good shouts. And we had uh, Grenfell, um, yeah, Jeffrey uh, Grenell, and he said, uh, Lost Boys. Ooh. 
another good shout. shout. Lost Boys is an interesting one because I keep seeing so much about Lost Boys and I've never seen it. Haven't you? I've never watched Lost Boys and the amount of people I see talk about it all the time. It's got such a cult thing and I've never watched it. Really? I keep, and every time I think I go to watch it, I've ended up, something else has happened yeah. right in the way. It's a great film. Like, I've just never, never, never seen it. So, and I know it's, I think it's celebrating an anniversary this year as well. So it's, uh, yeah. I, I think it's on our must-see horror. So, oh, it is. Maybe so get we will, we will get to that list. Right. Okay, my number one. Now, to be fair, now I said with the last one, I had uh, Piranha 3D, which we talked about. I had the Meg. Yeah. And my third other one was just going completely left, like left field. But uh, I didn't know if it really for me felt like summer, and it didn't feel like that. But it was a kind of film that I thought was funny in the summer, which was scary movie. Okay. That was another one of mine, which I was going to go a little bit for, uh, but I thought I'd talk about. It. Now this this last one, I mean, I've already teased you with saying. But for me, I've stuck with blockbusters and therefore I think this is, and I, we might have talked about this one before, but if I say summer blockbuster, I just think that this is the ultimate summer blockbuster. And I said Jaws was in that similar vein. I think I... What do you think it is? Jurassic Park? It's Jurassic Park. It's Jurassic Park. It's, it's it? just, it just is. It's, it's hard to not... I, I, I was, wasn't going to do it because I was like, it's so obvious, but I was like, it, it, but we're saying it's summer horror and I know it's not like full-on horror kind I of I think film. we did it in... Maybe, it was yeah. definitely mentioned in the list before. It might have been right. in horror moments, not in horror films. Yeah, I, I think feel so. Like. I think it might have been moments that we're talking about. So anyway, it, it's the film I'll talk about, and this is why I'm leaving it here because it's not. But it just, George, uh, <laughs> it's same director, Steven Spielberg, either way. But I mean, this was pretty much, you know, when this was released in its summer debut, this became like the biggest film ever, (laughs) like in the world, you know. And and although it has been built, beaten by things like Avengers, Avatar, things that, you know, become the biggest films of all time, I just, I, I think that this is perfect, like filmmaking, but blockbuster. This is the film that defined what a blockbuster could be. It was big action. Dinosaurs, that's all you need to make so exciting yeah. in some way anyway. I mean, every like pretty much all of these films make a billion dollars, even when they're not good. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter because it's got dinosaurs as big. And this this might not even necessarily just be Jurassic Park. This could be applied to like the franchise as a whole, that they are the ultimate kind of action adventure, but horror suspenseful kind of one. But None of the sequels have ever done it. I think Jurassic World's the only one that got close yeah, to the with, original with the in terms of this. Yeah, in terms of like parts of like the terror and stuff you sometimes yeah. felt of the original. None of the sequels kind of got there as much, but the original, some of the scenes, and I think it's obviously easy to say that this is just an adventure film or an action film or things like that, but like certain scenes, the, the Raptor kitchen scene is yeah. just one of the most... Hitchcockian, Hitchcockian, <laughs> Hitchcockian kind of perfect kind of suspenseful horror kind of it's children. Yes, but it's, you know, so that makes it, I think, scary in some way. But it's just the fact that they're so aware and they're so well created and well brought to life. Yeah. That just every little movement. I mean, I've never seen Jurassic Park in the cinema. Obviously, the original, I don't, I don't think I've seen I'm it. I'm not sure. I, I remember it was released in, in my eye popping 3D like a, a, a like 10 years ago, probably now. Yeah. And I can't remember whether I did go see it, but I don't think I did. Um again, we talked about all the films in 3D, like Titanic was also re-released in 3D, and I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 
it's just I can't imagine being the first time I'd ever like seen that. I believe the first time I saw it was pro- it was at home on a VHS tape. Yeah, it would have been at home. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was watching it like that, and you know, I remember falling completely in love with dinosaurs. They like because this was yeah. as a little child. Obviously. Same badass. This this film used to be on, on UK TV. I remember because there's a running joke in um, in things like. Father Ted, which would have probably been um, like yeah. only a couple of years after it, things like that. But there are, there are other times it's been noticed where basically this was such a big blockbuster that this used to get shown like at Christmas on Christmas yeah. TV. Yeah. This used to be like a prime film, like for for probably like a decade, like for long enough to us to be me to be grown up enough. The Jurassic Park would be on every because it was just such a big film in that yeah. like, way. It was so huge it kind of drawn everyone in i think there was like no one that didn't like Jurassic park yeah <laughs> just anyone could access it it worked as a family film but it was also terrifying oh yeah i mean if the two scenes that i that i remember scaring me quite a lot when i was young and the the two scenes one of them in particular i forget about because I, I i loved the first film and I, I remember watching the other two i preferred the third one to the second one um, I watched Jurassic World and then the Fallen Kingdom. Haven't watched the new one, um, but I love the first one. But the, the, the franchises I've never thought is overly good, <laughs> um, and I've it's never definitely really, been a big old mixed bag. Yeah, and I've <laughs> never really been into them. Uh, but the first one is great. And the two scenes that I remember being terrified of when I was young, um, the first, and I forget this scene is in it, is um, Samuel Jackson his death scene, you know, when he goes into they, I think they got to go into like the generator to turn the power on. Um, and you see, um, you know, he disappears. Yeah. And yeah. Then, he's, he's, well, they go to find him. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it's Laura Dern's Laura character's Dern's character. And she, um, it's the, the hand coming down. Yeah. She, she's looking and there's a raptor that they know is close by. Yeah. And then that's when the hand, cause I, she's like, oh, thank God it's you. Yeah. And then pulls it away. It's, just his hand and that kind of terrified me when i was yeah young. i was gonna say <laughs> that is, i believe because i believe originally that was meant to be um that he you were meant mutilation. to see his death scene you oh, meant sure. to see his whole like a mutilation but i believe one it was too violent and two they did never got to shoot it because they had a huge st- tropical storm that kind of oh, destroyed sure. the sets and stuff like yeah. that so they ended up afterwards being like right we've lost a lot of money now so could we kind of Time this a bit. Yeah. Can we cut some scenes and they decide to cut that? Well, I've and I think the, it works so yeah. much better for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, because is it Michael Crichton? Michael Crichton, yeah. Michael Crichton. I've heard the Michael Crichton book is quite violent. Oh, yeah, yeah. That this is, this is, um, this is part of why actually I chose it on this list. Not just be, it's summer horror films and stuff like that, but I've got to be honest, I read the novel only, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I I read them one summer kind of thing. I, I think between between like uni and stuff like that, I read them one summer. So that's more like seven or eight years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Forget how long ago university was. Um, but I, I read them, uh, both of them, like back to back, the the two that they've made. And yeah, the, 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 the Lost World one, by the way, the sequel is far better than the film. Yeah. <laughs> but whereas I would, say in some ways the film for Jurassic Park is better than the actual original book even though it is a great book but it is extremely violent for instance John Hammond's character um uh, Richard Burton yeah Richard- no, it's not Richard Burton. <laughs> That's the wrong person. Rich, uh, Richard. I want to say Richard Attenborough. But I... No, uh, it's Attenborough. You're right. Is it? Yeah, it's Attenborough. That's why I got it. Richard. Uh, That's a different <laughs> actor. Um, yeah, Richard. 
but his um his death in the book is literally like he's much horrible character though he's really? not this nice I've heard he's a bit, character yeah, he's, I've heard he's, a bit he's, he's the he's almost the main villain of the of the book I spared no expense <laughs> <laughs> I believe it gets the point when he gets um, he gets poisoned by one of the little ones oh, that sure. then makes him par- paralyzed, and he rolls down the hill to then get slowly eaten apart by them, kind of thing, like torn apart. So he gets a proper death, death kind of thing. Nice. I think there's even an, uh, I think yeah, you get to see you get to hear a lot of these kind of like character deaths, and they're much more descriptive and violent in nice. the book. It's good. They're really good books. They're they're just so like Michael Crime books are just exciting. They're like action come to life kind of thing yeah. in your head. I'm not checking out. I mean, it's the- awesome, and yeah, The Lost World is much better than uh, Jeff Gold. I remember thinking I loved that because I saw that one. I saw in the cinema. Yeah, I saw The Lost World in the cinema. I think so, I did as well. So I remember absolutely love it. Like as a kid, I thought that was amazing. And it's not that it doesn't have some great scenes. The 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 bit when the fingers over the cliff is amazing. Yeah, like I can't really remember when the the, the the they push the caravan off the thing and she's on the glass and it's breaking around her is awesome. And there's ones with little dinosaurs. There's some really violent scenes in it as well. Yeah, but it's just a film that just keeps going on. And then it's like, why are we still watching this yeah. thing? Uh, but I don't know. Jeff Goldblum, he can save a lot of things. Yeah. So the second scene that terrifies me or terrified me when I was young was um, I can never remember the actor's name but I've been watching lots of Seinfeld and he plays Newman in it uh, he's Dennis Nedry in this yeah, yeah. Um, while well, is his death oh yeah, yeah, yeah you know I oh, I don't know why there's just something so horrid about oh, it's, it it's it, that's what I mean like some of the set pieces for deaths in this film are really you know he's like crawling through the muddy stuff He's constantly gets he gets this he gets the uh, the tar in the black tar yeah. that he can spit out the poisonous tar in his face. He's trying to rub it off. He's getting and then you get the whole into the car and you think it's okay and like in classic horror style. Look who's in the car. Yeah, <laughs> and then you just get the whole shaking, but you get to see like mud, but blood mixed with mud yeah. pouring down, and it's just oh, it's it's not it's not nice, but it's yeah, it's. It is terrifying in that same way. Just the the raptors, like the T Rex is like T Rex. He's like cool, look at that. But the raptors are the real villains here. The raptors yeah. are the terrifying part. Of well, this. the T Rex fucks the raptors up at the end, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, that's the classic like fist pump kind of moment. Yeah. But you know, stick it like thinking of those like horrific kind of parts that pit with him. But there are parts that don't even necessarily relate. The T Rex obviously causes major hair. hair Hayok. Hayok. <laughs> in that crazy, in that obviously the T-Rex introduction scene when he yeah. breaks through, which is just probably the most classic scene in the film. Yeah. Um, but the bit that follows that when the T-Rex pushes the car off of the off of the side yeah. and they're stuck inside of it is a amazing suspenseful kind of build-up of like how the hell are they gonna get out of this? And then even when they're climbing down and realize the tr- the the, the car is yeah break and the branch is breaking and the car is falling and you're like how the fuck like all of those kind of parts it's a film full of like amazement because the cgi holds up to this day and looks better than some films made in this day See, i don't know i i watched it recently and i didn't think the cgi held up i'll be honest okay it was, main, yeah. <laughs> it was mainly just because everything looked like it was one color you know, maybe. I mean, this is a film from 29 years ago. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it didn't look awful, don't get me wrong. But it was like, when it, I think when a lot of people say, look, oh, it holds up, I think, like, oh, if I can watch it, I can not be like, 
that's like really nice. I don't I don't know I don't think it's like that I'm not saying that it holds up as in like it all looks perfectly real in that yeah. kind of way but I'd say it holds up where I do think that some of the shots of CGI in this film if I compared it to some shots I'm still seeing to this day in CGI then I would go yeah that still looks better than that yeah oh yeah <laughs> there are some films that look like just atrocious you know what I mean if I if I picked out a film that was made I don't know like tear like 15 years later or something like, I don't know like so like G.I. Joe or something like that yeah. and it had like guys in metal machinery jumping through streets and stuff and it just looked like a cartoon yeah. like but there are like even even we even still get shots in today in like a lot of our CGI full everything CGI yeah. and you kind of are at the point now where you're like there's so much CGI in films that you're like right they're saving this all of these big scenes have good CGI and there's some small scenes where they're like yeah, we don't have the budget to keep pushing that yeah. CGI. So let's just make these ones like a little bit share because we don't have the money for it. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Funnily enough, I read a tweet the other day from Dwayne Johnson saying that Black Adam it has no CGI in it. And I was thinking, like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure I saw a video of you uh, flying, Dwayne. <laughs> yeah, there's literally where he's flying alongside two. I, I don't think that could be right. Yeah. <laughs> there's literally, there's like a scene in the trailer when a rocket gets blasted and he catches it midair and it explodes. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think any of that does that. I know he's a good seller of things, but he's definitely. <laughs> Come on, Dwayne. <laughs> it's not quite true. Anyway, yeah, that is uh, that. That's my top. It's a, it's that's a, my top. Just because I stuck with I stuck with more blockbustery feeds. I didn't want to alternate away from it. I went with things that I want to watch in the summer, and for me, it's anything big in the cinema yeah. is what I want to watch. Fair enough. I mean, so, I went for um, films that are either set during the summer or re- were released during the summer. Um, and the final one is um, a, a film that was released uh, during the summer, and uh, it is Return of the Living Dead. Okay, yeah. yeah. And it, it, so, funnily enough, this was uh, is from 1985, yeah. um, and it was directed by Dan O'Bannon, um, who originally had written a script with Brian Yuzna about a slasher film, but then that fell through, and he then and then Brian Yuzner went on to make Society. So they kind of oh, linked okay. together. Um, I just went to write in yeah. that so that I had the information in front of me, and I wrote in Return of the Living Dad. <laughs> it's come up with a whole bunch of stuff for that instead. Uh, no, let's not get into that. <laughs> um, and uh, so it was interesting. It originally had Tobe Hooper on board to direct. Yeah, um, but he had. To, I think he dropped out to do Life Force. I think it was. Yeah. It always seems to be dropping out of films to do Life Force. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's the second film. Porter guys had stuff about that as well. I'm sure. Come, I think he came from Life Force to do this I one. Think, no, because I think Life Force was around this time, '85. Well, this is '85, but wasn't. I don't know. I'm sure I'm that now blanking on when was Porter guys. 1982. Who was it? 40 years, wasn't it? Because I, yeah, I thought this yeah. might have had certain pulling out my bin to do Port Guys. That's what was going in my head. Maybe. I was like, was no. Port Guys never reasonably pulled out of this one? <laughs> yeah, either, yeah, either way. Um, and it's it, it was written by as a story by a guy called John A. Russo, who um, also wrote Night of the Living Dead with George A. Romero. Yeah. Um, and then when they parted ways, um, because they both kind of owned the rights or something like that. There was a there was a, a bit of a dispute between what they could call their films. So George A. Romero was allowed to have um like uh, he was allowed to have uh Night of. Yeah. And you know, Night of and stuff. And then that's why he went to make Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. However, um 
Romero. All of these are Return of the Living. Yeah. All the sequels so, are called Return of the well, Living. Well, John A. Russo was allowed to have the Living Dead. Yeah. So <laughs> he so he went he wrote a book called The Return of the Living Dead, which is which is completely different to this. But then it got adapted and it got changed, and it's this really weird com- comedy horror. Um, mm. Stars Clue. I can never pronounce his name. Clue Gulliger, who died um, recently, maybe a yeah. couple of weeks ago. Uh, Tom Matthews, obviously Tommy Jarvis fame, who somehow returns in the sequel. I'm not sure. I've only <laughs> seen the third one of this, which was good, but weird. I think I've only seen this first one. Um, yeah. I don't think I've seen... I think there was one of them, because there's one where it has like a weird... She's got... There's like a woman. That's the got, third one. Is that the third one? Yeah. 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 I've, seen, I've seen bits of that one with... I can't remember. I know the actress, because she stars in a bunch of things like the OC and some yeah. So when I heard it was her, I was like, fucking hell, what the hell? Because she's got like this crazy red hair nails and I'm blanking on the name. Yeah, I can't probably, remember. There are probably people horror, horror lovers out there screaming at us right now. Like, she's a classic like Yeah. Because she is known as like a cult classic. I can't remember her name. Um, but Lena Quigley is also in this film as well. Um, so it's, it is set during the summer and it was released during the summer but the reason why I love this so much is uh, before I talk a little bit about the film when we talk about it um, there was this really weird period where I it was a summer and I got a fever um, so and not <laughs> this isn't a cowbell joke <laughs> um, <laughs> but I got this I got like a fever coming on and I couldn't sleep and I was boiling hot um, and I remember like it, it got so bad I don't I, I just couldn't sleep and I was sleeping for hours here and there and I went up to my dad one day and I was like I need to go to the hospital my dad was like nah you don't be fine <laughs> it's just like go down sleep downstairs so I slept downstairs and I downloaded two films to watch that's classic um, dad <laughs> that's classic dad <laughs> come on don't be a, <laughs> you'll be fine don't be, a <laughs> don't be fine <laughs> you won't die um and um one of them was waxwork and the other film was this, and it was a summer, and it was about half 11, 12 at night, and I couldn't sleep, and I watched this with headphones in, and it was partly because I hadn't slept, but it was so intense, and it was so good. It had a, it had a banging soundtrack that kind of featured, like, a really cool, weird, or kind of synthy intro, but then it's kind of got, like, a punk rock soundtrack. Um, it is such a weird... It's so weird, because... Like you don't, I almost wouldn't be surprised if part of the reason that they had the dispute is because they had such different ideas of tone. Yeah, because these films are so different. Like, I remember when I'd seen Night, uh, you know, Night of the Living Dead, and I was, you know, I, I absolutely adore that kind of original. Like, yeah. in a weird way for me, I think because that was the first one I saw and things like it's m- probably my favorite in a way. I don't know. There's a so simple about it that I love, but um, then I remember going to listen to it. Ah, oh, the return of the living dead. And I remember thinking it was like, yeah, not knowing the difference between the films and stuff and being like, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> exactly. Like, what is going on? This is madness. This is like great, like goriness, craziness, but it's also got such a kind of, tongue-in-cheek kind yeah. of tone to it. I was like, what the fuck? And it's really weird. And a lot of people, I bet, have been thrown off in that same way because Probably. it does get confusing when you see, like, Night of Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, things like that, but then you see The Return of the Living Dead, The Return of the Living Dead Part 2, and then you've... And now, nowadays, it's even more convoluted because you've got the remakes of yeah. things like Return of the Living Dead. You've got remakes of Night of the Living Dead that or Dale Dawn of the Dead that are all kind of a bit more cheesy in their own way. Yeah. So it gets completely, like... I don't know how many films there are all together of all of <laughs> these, make. but I'm guessing the 20s possibly now between all of the original versions plus remakes. Well, Night of the Dead is 
public it's public domain yeah. that's why there's been Anyone's so many it. there's like been 3d there's been a remake version there's been like an update we can make version. a version <laughs> <laughs> coming to you night of the living dead <laughs> cast me to hell presents just us two dead. dead every count um <laughs> that's and, like our conversation yeah and the, <laughs> that was our uh joe rogan conversation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the idea yeah. that we could uh for all the people out there like uh if you'd like to listen more we had the idea that we could call <laughs> Joe Rogan presents Cast Me to Hell and see if that just makes our numbers go like yeah, skyrocket. <laughs> and then, but then I was like, we just invade his show and we just take over. Um, Mine was more copyright infringement. Rob's was full on invasion. <laughs> yeah, domestic takeover. <laughs> and hopefully one of those gets us numbers or arrested. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was like, um, and the in- and going back to how you could be confused is because at the start of this film, um, they. <laughs> They kind of say that they mentioned Night of the Living Dead and that it actually yeah. happened, but that they made a film about it. So I can't remember if they made a film about it so people didn't think it, it happened, or they made a film about it to kind of distract people. But they made a film about it and then they're like, oh, we've got one of the zombies in the basement. Um, you know, they fuck around with they fuck around with what they've got it in, and yeah. it, it basically, you know, reanimates these these zombies. And then we get an, an amazing scene where, you know, um, they end up burning a zombie, thinking that it would destroy it and get rid of its body. Yeah. But all it does is, you know, it spreads the the trioxin, it's called, into the rain. And then the rain makes the zombies rise out of the grave, which is an amazing scene. Yeah. Um, and what's really interesting about this is it's it was the first film that featured running zombies. Mm. Um, a lot of people credit that to um, 28 Days Later and making that, you know, yeah. kind of bringing it about. But that, you know, this is about, this is 20 years before. I think that brought it into the more popular. That brought it into the more popular. Big, yeah, but then again, I guess in that, like, like I think we said before about the, the range virus is kind of, it's it's harder to break down that way, whereas this yeah. one is more straight up death. Yeah, it's, it's just zombies. zombies. Well, they can't be killed. Um, they're also the first zombies that start wanting to eat brains. Yeah, you know, and they speak and say brains, and there's an amazing scene in it where, um, you know, they they because the you know the the main characters call like an ambulance for someone. The ambulance comes, the zombies swarm them and kill them, and then one of the zombies says, um, "Send another ambulance, need more brains," <laughs> and then another ambulance comes. Yeah, that's what this is such an eighties film. Though, yeah, because that's why because obviously we'd already had. Dawn and Day of the Dead by the time well, Day, no, Day, no, Day of the, the Dead's Dead later, came, isn't it? No, yeah. Day of the Dead came out the same week as that. <laughs> and ironically enough, Day, I think Day of the Dead had a bigger budget. Uh, but Return of the Living Dead actually beat Day of the Dead at the box office. I think, yeah, to be fair, then again, I guess it's because um but I think it, it also think, took th- in more money. Yeah, I think that well, <laughs> I believe this took in four million and the box office was 14.2 million. And uh, I'm not sure Day of the Dead. Well, Day, Day of the Dead, I remember, I read about it the other day. I think it was four million that it cost. Hear me typing. That is the wrong Day of the Dead. That is, that's the actual festival. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure, you know, it, 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 it brought in more money. So, yeah, Day of the Dead brought in uh, 34 million. Okay, so it did better. Yeah. Oh, it was made on about the same budget, 3.54, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. But but then uh, that's what I mean. George A. Romero's was a much more established kind of thing. Yeah. This was definitely different than what audience would expect. But because by that point, George A. Romero, you know, he's often, although not actually completely the creator, he is often seen as the the father of zombies. Yeah, he's the godfather you know what of I mean? zombies. Um, so, you know, um, a lot of people will have followed along with his kind of story and stuff. And here comes a film that's kind of left field and trying to take it in a different direction, a bit yeah. more fun, a bit more, because there's no set. There's no saying that all of George A. Romero's are definitely a, you know, if we're saying that this was two different tones, like this is like tongue in cheek, kind of totally crazy, gory, kind of over the top. Yeah. Not saying that George A. Romero's can't be a bit over the top at times as well, but his are very, yeah. What would be the word for kind of the well by the time they get by the time you get to I wouldn't death, say fun. I wouldn't no. say fun is a word I would describe no. as remembrance. There's, there's a lot of social commentary. By the time you get to Day of the Dead, I mean Day of the Dead is my is my favorite of the Romero films and potentially my favorite zombie film. But Day of the Dead is very bleak. Yeah. Day of bleak the Dead is, is about like, how good. mankind can't get on and the end, the end it, of it. It's always, yeah, it, it is about the end. It's about, you know, from the first one with its racial issues and things like that, you know, kind of that kind of yeah. background. Each one has its kind of the second one with its uh, consumerism and social satire and that way kind of thing. Yeah. Apart from the weird, was it Gonzo song? <laughs> Not um, Gonzo. What's the, what's the music that goes on the classic? I can't uh, I don't. Know. I just. I remember. Have, I've had that stuck in my head since we did an episode <laughs> on Dawn of the Dead. Uh, I can't remember. But yeah, that music is like that, that's the only part that's weirdly off tone with that one. But these films, The Return of the Living Dead, are. I mean, they've got, some, but I like the way, like you said, with the burning body and that they kind of take concepts in a different direction. Yeah. And that like the original gives the idea that the brains shoot them in the head or burning them will kill the body. Yeah. This one kind of disputes that and says that basically that flesh can keep on going. Just can't kill them. Yeah. Yeah. It's and only in the sequel, I believe, which I haven't watched, but I do really want to watch. Um, it's in the sequel that I think they say that like, there's something that can kill them. I can't remember what it is. It might be like electricity or something weird. Yeah. Um, but in this film, you can't kill them. And and yet again, going in in line with my other with my last pick, because um, I watched this on my on my birthday um, recently, which kind of got it in my head again. It ends very bleakly again. You know, mm. it, you kind of you expect things to maybe have a happy ending or something, but it ends with them nuking the town that it happened in um which you you, you know is going to happen in because it's a zombie film you know they always say they're going to nuke the town but they nuke the town with the characters in it um and then there's a bit kind of after the kind of towards the end of the credits where they you think it's over but then you see one of the like the atomic cloud going over to a cemetery and raining again and just bringing them all back so <laughs> it's really cool and I, and I don't know how tom matthews is in the sequel because he dies in this and becomes a zombie so i'm looking he's forward a to zombie in the maybe he's a zombie in the sequel. I, I yeah i haven't watched this film in a i just remember watching it when i was first like finding like night of the living dead yeah and, that. and no i haven't watched my if anything a lot of them uh stuck in my head um Jessica Walker, I looked before, I believe was the name of uh, yeah. Melinda Clark, ah. who is the actress who plays that kind of crazy yeah. part. Um, but yeah, like as I said, I think I've seen parts of that one, the third one as well. So 
it's all a bit mashed up in my brain, yeah. like of this kind of overload of zombies where I couldn't quite work out which was or wasn't, you yeah. know, kind of thing. Because there's even the the like remake of which is so cheesy, like in the 80s of Night of the Living Dead. I love that. That's the like, Tom Savini one. The Tom Savini the one. But one, that yeah. again, you've got the Tom Savini ones too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how convoluted it is to, to get confused between like yeah. I think for a while I thought that these ones and the Tom were one and the same. And that's what I meant. Like I just yeah. got so confused. <laughs> yeah, the Tom Savini ones, amazing. Like it had amazing special effects, but it was just I, I watched that one recently and I just got a bit like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I don't know. There was just so so corny about the dialogue and stuff. It was so like, yes, yeah, so over the top. Like, that's the only part I couldn't get. I was a bit like, yeah, it's just a bit too much for me. Yeah, I thought that some of the, the some of the changes were cool enough. I thought Tony Todd was cool. And how, oh, yeah. the way in which Tony Todd was great. And the, uh, the, the the little changes that they made and updating it. And the, as I said, it's Tom Zawini, so you know the special effects were going to be fucking class, yeah. and they are. Um, but it's just such a... It is, it is, and it's very different from the original, again, because the original Night of the Living Dead, even the sequels that Romero made, the original Night of the Living Dead is just a bit of a more different, simple kind of film, isn't yeah. it? Than what you get in the sequels. Yeah. Um, but I guess that wraps up our uh, top three summer horrors, just as the uh, the sun is setting, both <laughs> physically and metaphorically, upon uh, upon this <laughs> upon this episode and summer. Um, we want to say thank you again for listening. Uh, remember to head over to our social media for our uh, podcast uh, competition um, yep. at CMTH Podcast <laughs> uh, on Instagram and Twitter. As always, uh, thank you for listening. Please um, hit the subscribe button so you get the episodes as soon as they come out. And uh, if you leave us a lovely review, we will be eternally grateful. We shall see you next week. Goodbye.